Welcome to worship here in the room. Welcome to worship online. If you're joining us, we're glad you are with us. My name is Jonathan Perez, the worship pastor here at Wheaton Bible. We're going to sing to Jesus. Amen. Do you know that Jesus is alive today? He's still alive. Amen. So we continue to celebrate the resurrection of the risen Lord. Amen. That all the nations may know that Jesus is risen and he is Lord. So Psalm 57 says, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaching to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. All the earth will know that you are God, Jesus, and you are Lord. Church. From the rising of the sun to the ending of the day, one name alone we praise. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, all creation lifting up.
Praise the name of Jesus. Church, today we're going to sing some Spanish, so get ready. We're going to sing some Spanish. You're going to learn it with us. Let's learn this new song. You're seated on the throne of mercy. Your glory shining bright for all to see. Oh God, I will praise you. Magnificent with grace unending. You rescue us with love that never fails. Oh God, I will praise you. Señor, para salvar, quien 
sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. We worship you, Lord. Is he worthy, church? Let's sing it like it's true. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see? Oh! 
our first and foremost principle in whether we're a school district or a church or a community-based organization is it's always about the relationships first. I think that is a huge highlight of Puente. Traditionally, it's an after-school program, right? Monday through Friday for a couple of hours, they do academic enhancement, they provide extended learning opportunities, some nutrition and physical wellness opportunities. I believe they do some faith lessons too that students can opt in or out of. Uh, currently, because of COVID, that's been expanded and they've actually been offering that same model in person all day long during the school day for students who aren't physically in the school. Here at Puente, we hope to instill as much stability as possible in the children's lives. They're supervising, ensuring students are engaged, checking in, support with homework, having breakfast and lunch, and getting safely to and from Puente, making sure that students have a consistency in their, in their school day. My goal is that they feel stable, that they feel loved, that they know that they are a child of God, that there is purpose in their life, and that together we can get through this. A school district isn't meant to provide meals all the time. A school district isn't meant to provide services outside of a traditional school day, you know, after 3.30. They aren't necessarily meant to provide education for parents. Because we work with our community partners who have an expertise in those areas, it allows us to holistically support families. And because they have these great relationships, it's, it's widely successful. Puente has, well, their vision aligns with the school district. They're thinking about the whole child, not just the child academically, socially, but their whole family. And they and they take them from cradle to, to career. We want children to have those opportunities once they leave us to thrive and grow and be independent, successful citizens. And having another partner to, to help us when we don't have those particular resources, particularly in a year like this, is key. With the children having to do school in this different way, anxiety has been up, but we've seen great victories in their spirits and their excitement to come to school. We can tell that the Lord is at work here with them. Even with COVID and the, and the fears of how do we stay safe in this kind of setting, we know Puente is gonna keep us safe. We know Puente is gonna do what they need to do to make sure everyone is safe. And there's no hesitation there. People are ready to just come to the table and participate and engage. It's, it's incredible. Our part-time teachers here, they understand the risks that are involved of coming into an environment with children in this time of COVID. And they take it very seriously. They feel that this is a calling for them, that God has brought them here for this purpose. This is not just work for me. This is my mission field. This is my calling. And when I come to Wheaton Bible Church to receive these children, I think to myself, these are children that many times have not walked through our doors before. And now they're coming every day into the house of the Lord. And what a blessing that is to be receiving them and representing Jesus in this moment, being his hands and feet. It's just a, a fulfilling blessing to be able to be a part of this and to be able to witness what God is doing in the lives of these children through Wheaton Bible Church in Puente del Pueblo.
We want to thank all of you that are served uh, regularly at Puente. We are so grateful for people like you, and we are so grateful for those of you that continue to church the, the church financially. Um, I, w- I want to invite you to continue to do this. This is how we fulfill the great commission and the great commandment at the same time. This is how we proclaim the good news of the gospel, and we show the power of the gospel through deeds at the same time. So please continue to do that. You could continue to support the church financially by going to winbiblechurch.org slash give. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the time of worship that you've given us this morning. It is actually um, hard not to be impacted by what we proclaimed this morning as we were singing and how the gospel of Jesus Christ came to change everything and how our Lord Jesus Christ is the only one, is the only one worthy to open the seals that we find in Revelations. But he's the one that humbled himself and became a servant and died on the cross on our behalf. Not just for the salvation of our lost but for the reconciliation of all humanity. So we could be reconciled to you, and we become agents of reconciliation. For, the, for that, Lord, we give you thanks. And now I pray, Lord, that you speak to us this morning, that you allow us to see the beauty of what you came to accomplish. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says? All right, good morning, familia. My name is Hannibal Rodriguez, one of the teaching pastors here at church. And whether you are here or you're worshiping with us online, I want to welcome you. Um, I want to welcome you all. But in specific, if you are new to the church, I allow me to uh, explain to you who we are as a church. And maybe if you're already part of the church, you never heard this before. I think this is going to be a good reminder of who we are as a church. I think that when I think of uh, WBC, I think of a church that is multi-location. We are one church in two locations. We got the West Chicago location and Tri-Village. When I think of WBC, I also think of a multi-generational church. Did you know that we have families in our midst that there's five generations worshiping in one place? That's amazing in itself. When I think of WBC, I think of us being a multi-worship experience church. That's why we have a traditional service, a contemporary service, and that's why we have a service that worships in Spanish. When I think of WBC, I think of a church that the Lord is raising up to become more and more a multi-ethnic church. That's why you have a Latino in front of you right now. And this is the reason why for the next two weeks we're going to be talking about what it means for us as a church to become more and more a multi-ethnic church. The title that we are giving to this two-part series is A Beautiful Community Reflecting the Multi-Ethnic Heart of God. What we're going to do today is we're going to look to the concept of multi-ethnicity through the lenses of the Old Testament. And next week we're going to see multi-ethnicity through the lenses of the New Testament. We're just going to pick some passages and talk and meditate on that for a while. I want to start by saying, by giving you the, the reason why we're not actually preaching this series. What is it that we're not trying to do with this series? Put it in a better way. We are not trying to be a cool church. We're already cool. We are not trying to be relevant because I believe that every time we open this amazing, beautiful book, 
we are relevant because the Bible is always relevant. And we are not doing this series because we are reacting to what is happening in our culture and in our context. That is not the reason why we wanted to preach about this. The reason why we want to talk about this is because it's a biblical conviction. Because we understand that the Bible speaks abundantly clear about this topic. The second reason why we want to talk about this is because that's who the Lord made us to be. God in his sovereignty placed us where we are, so we become a multi-ethnic church. All you have to do is look at our context and understand that the call of the church is to reach its community and reflect its community. And the third reason why we got to talk about this is because we just celebrated Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in which we remember that Jesus died and resurrected so we can be reconciled to God and so we become agents of reconciliation, including ethnic reconciliation. So for today's uh, message, I want us to read a short section in the book of Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be reading from verses 25 to 27 and then verse 31. Genesis chapter 1. 25 to 27 and verse 31. If you have your Bible, please go there. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to put the verses on the screen. Could you please stand for the reading of God's Word, a sign of reverence to Him and His Word. If you're still here, could you please say, I'm here. here. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 25. God made wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Can you say good? good? Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the, in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and he was very good. Can you say very good? And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Today, I want to talk about three things that flow out of this text. I would like to argue that the concept of multi-ethnicity was God's design. This is not something that the secular world created. I want to argue that it's not only just God's design, but we can justify that this is in God's mind because we are created in God's image, point number two. And even though sin entered the world and things started to go south from Genesis chapter 3 on, God had a plan to make everything beautiful again. God's design, God's image, and God's plan. So let's talk about the first point. God's design. I want to start by making a disclaimer. I truly believe that one of the most beautiful things about the church, besides everything that we do, uh, is that the church has the ability and the capacity 
to actually live in this multi-ethnic context. I want to argue that if there's one organization in the entire world that is capable to accomplish what it means to live a multi-ethnic community, I believe that's the church, and I will explain why later on. But I also believe that becoming multi-ethnic is one of the hardest things that we can try to accomplish. Let me tell you why. Because we all have inclinations. We all have preferences. We all have been shaped by our history. We all have been offended by somebody or have offended somebody. And we are all part of a hostile world. That's why the concept of multi-ethnicity is so hard to accomplish. And it is also hard to accomplish because it requires that the church learns how to die to ourselves, that we learn not to be so quick either to defend or to attack or to argue, that we learn how to truly, truly love one another, that we learn how to truly, truly listen to one another, forgive one another, extend grace to one another, and care for one another even if it feels awkward. Time and time again. That's why I think that doing a multi-ethnic thing is a crazy, crazy thing. And yet I believe that the church can accomplish it. See, for us, in order for us to accomplish this, if this is what the Lord is calling us to do, we must have not just the desire to do it, not just the desire to tolerate our differences, not just the desire to put up with our differences, but it must become a conviction that we believe that this is God's design. And what I want to do for the next two hours is to try to make you reason and understand why is it that what I'm saying is true and not just my imagination. And part of the reason, that's part of the reason why we need to go back to Genesis chapter 1. Because it is in Genesis chapter 1 where we see where everything is started. It is in Genesis chapter 1 where we see God's perfect creation. It is in Genesis chapter 1 when we see how the world was supposed to be prior to the fall. So I want to start arguing... I want our, my first argument is this. Multi-ethnicity is rooted in who God is and who we were, we were created to be. Multi-ethnicity is rooted in, the, in who God is and who we were created to be. This is why verse 26, for example, says that God said, let us, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So they may rule, and a bunch of other stuff. It is from verses like this where most theologians would argue and explain that, that that's the reason why we believe in the Trinity. Not just because of this verse, but because the entire Bible, and specifically the New Testament, makes it extremely clear. We have one God that is in three persons. We got a God that is a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. Listen up. And the Father is not the Son nor the Spirit. The Son is not the Father nor the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father nor the Son. We have here a picture of a God that is one God, three persons. Unity in diversity, people. Can you say unity in diversity? Now catch this. That is who our God is. 
And we are created in his image. Meaning that by nature, by God's design, when God thought of us, he thought of a community that will live in unity, in diversity. We are not supposed to look the same. The kingdom of God is supposed to be a diversity of age, a diversity of gender, male and female, a diversity of temperament, a diversity of giftings, a diversity of cultures, and diversity of ethnicity. We should be able, by design, to be capable of living in unity and diversity. I don't know if you ever thought of that. But I'm not the first person that thinks of that. Actually, listen to what this theologian says. Far from being a dry, secondary, unimportant technical doctrine, God as Trinity, unity in diversity, diversity in unity is the heartbeat of the Christian faith. The reason why we've got to talk about this is because it is not normal by God's design it is not normal that ethnicities separate or segregate. It is not normal that we have such a fragmented society. It is not normal that we live in disunity. It is not normal that we practice this, this division. It is not normal that we practice disharmony. It is not normal that we create polarization. That's not God's story. That's our story. If God is a God of unity and diversity, and we have been created in that image, we are supposed to be people that live in unity and diversity. This is part of the reason, for example, why theologians, when they talk about God, one of the attributes they, talk, they use to describe God is that he's beautiful. Meaning that everything that he is and everything that he does works in perfect harmony, in a beautiful harmony. If we are created in his image, don't you think that that's supposed to be true for us as well? See, the best way we honor our designer and the best way we honor our design is when we live according to what God intended right from the beginning. When we learn how to live out the beauty in unity and diversity. Not when we are separated. Like if, we did, like if we were not created in the image of the same God. Now, if you're wondering how that looks like, that's super simple, in my opinion. All you have to see is how the Trinity functions. Actually, if you want to see it even more when you go home, go and read John chapter 17. And you can see how the Trinity functions. But I love the way uh, John Frame puts, uh, puts this together. He says this. The concurrence of the three persons of the Trinity in all that they do is a profound indication of their unity. They support one another, assist one another, promote one another's purposes. This may be called mutual glorification. You know what that means? When you see someone that is different to you. When it's someone that is completely someone uh, that is different to you, in the context of Christianity, in the context of the church, we should be able to see the beauty of another person and glorify that person and magnify that person and elevate that person because our differences are not 
punishments. Our differences reflect the beauty, magnitude, image of God. We're not supposed to be divided by all these things. The church, in the context of the church at least, we shouldn't separate or segregate from one another. We're supposed to support one another. We're not supposed to allow fragmentation or disunity or disharmony among God's people. We're supposed to assist one another. We should not contribute to the polarization of our culture. We should promote one another. We shouldn't destroy one another with actions or words or indifference. We're supposed to give glory to one another. Why? Because every human being from any ethnic group carries within themselves the beauty of the image of God. I want to push that concept even more. Just to make you uncomfortable. Did you know that we not only honor our designer by living in unity and diversity, not only we honor our design by living in unity, in diversity, but we best display the beauty of God as image bearers when we do life together and when we worship together. Did you know that the best way we display the beauty of God, the image of God, is when we do life together and when we worship together. Do you know why? Because none of us can fully display what the image of God looks like completely. If you want to see what the image of God looks like, you have to put to, uh, humanity all together. That's why we sang the thing that we just sang. That's why the image of revelations is people from every tribe and tongue and culture and background and all of these things. I'm not the only one that thinks that. Listen to what this theologian says. The image of God is, too, is, is much too rich for it to be fully realized in a single human being. However richly gifted that human being may be, it can only be somewhat unfolded in its depth and its riches in a humanity counting billions of members. If I were to translate that to who we are here today, this is what it means. You cannot fully display the image of God, the beauty of God, unless you are with someone that is not like you. The implication is that I need people that are not like me, created in the image of God, so I get to understand what it means to be created in the image of God. It means that I have things that you don't have. And you have things that I need. The by design, the Lord puts us together to bless one another, to grow for one, to grow one another, to help one another, to support one another, to reflect the beauty of God as much as we can. This is the reason why. We don't believe or we shouldn't believe in the colorblind theology, you know? I know what people mean when they say, I see no color. Well, first of all, that's a lie. Because we all see color. The difference is, though, 
that we ought to see it and find it beautiful. This is the reason why we shouldn't say that even though we come from different ethnicities, we should act the same. No, with your differences comes your traditions and your customs and your culture. And that's what makes it beautiful. Listen, I'm going to say something, and I know someone is going to get offended. But listen, the traditional service did not get offended, so you shouldn't get offended. <laughs> listen, let, let, let's talk about worship for a second. I believe that there are some ethnic groups that are better in worshiping. More expressive, they got some rhythm. You got all of that stuff. There are some other groups, and, and spiritual people, right? There are other people that got a different rhythm, are not as expressive, still love the Lord. How about if we put them together? How about if this person that gets super animated gets modified by this person? And how about if this person that is dry... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't use that word in the first service. <laughs> No wonder they didn't get offended. <laughs> he gets modified by this other person. You know how beautiful it is that we get to, when we see each other, even when we have this thing in front of us, that we hug one another with no reservations? <laughs> that has been one of my experiences when I first came to the United States. That's a very Latino thing. You know, we, believe, we really believe in proximity. Right? So when we say hi, this concept of what's up doesn't exist. <laughs> we always got to lean in. One of the first things I learned right from the beginning is that I, need to adjust, I needed to adjust my culture to my new context. Because many times I, ex I experience this thing, hi, and the person is like, whoa, too much. <laughs> Those are simple examples, but how about... If we do life together with people that are not like, like us, and we allow those differences to modify who we are, we shouldn't act the same. And we shouldn't apologize for who the Lord made us to be. You don't have to apologize for the way the Lord made you to be. This is what we ought to believe as a church. We are better together than separate. We are better together than separate. Even when we talk about ethnicity. Other people have what I need. I have what they need. You guys remember that song from John Lennon? In which he's imagining a day when all the people of the world will come together. And people will live as one. And then in his desire, he wants a world without greed and without hunger. And without people killing each other. You guys remember that song? But he's also thinking of our world in which there's no hell, there's no heaven, no religion, and no God. This is the problem. As a Christian, I can understand the concept of unity and diversity because I am created in the image of a God that is unity in diversity. I have the picture, and I have the power because I am created in His image. This is not a humanistic thing. This is God's design. Point number two. Let's talk about God's image. See, the understanding here is that all creatures, all human beings are created in a human, in the image of God. Let's read it again in verse 27. 
It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. See, all the scholars agree that when we talk about the image of God, what we are saying is that all people, all human beings, have an intrinsic, uh, that intrinsically have beauty, that intrinsically have value, that intrinsically have dignity, and that intrinsically have purpose. This is part of the reason why God in verse 31 says that it was very good that he created human beings. Regardless of who you are, regardless of your age and your gender, or your social class, or your ethnicity, we all possess beauty, value, dignity, and purpose. There's a theologian, his name is uh, Richard Platt, uh, Pratt. He says that if, if as Christians we would truly understand this and we would truly believe this, if we would truly believe that all creatures, all human beings, to put it right, uh, have beauty, uh, intrinsic beauty, value, dignity, and purpose, we would all be tempted to look at one another and say, hello, your majesty. Because we can see God in them. Church, is, what, is that what you see? Is that the first thing that you see when you see people that are sound like you? See, our tendency is actually to elevate some people above other people. Our sinful tendency is to value some people more than other people. Because when sin entered the world, there was a distortion in the image of God, not just in our own image, but how we view other people created in the image of God. Isn't that what Adam did with Eve? Listen, have you ever wondered why is it that Adam threw Eve under the bus? They both sinned. They both failed God. God confronts them both. And Adam said, to make it clear, the woman you put here with me, she made me sin. Did you know that he had to go through a whole process in his head in which he's calculating who's more important now? Who should die? Not me. That's what got transferred to everybody else. This tendency of seeing ourselves as more valuable than somebody else. Isn't that the case of Cain and Abel? If you guys know, these are their kids. You know the story, Cain killed Abel. Actually, you can see it in Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. And if you know some of the story, they both bring an offering to God. God looks at one and says, I like it. And the other one says, I don't like it. Cain was holding that in his heart and decided to get rid of his brother. This is the thing. In his head, he had to dehumanize his brother in order to kill him. And Jesus says that when we hate a brother... We're doing exactly the same thing in our hearts. Because to hate someone that is not like you is to dehumanize them in your head and in your heart. 
Modern philosophy and anthropology calls this othering. When we create this other category of people that don't have the same value and dignity as everybody else. And the tendency of the human heart is to hyper-focus on the things that we don't like in order to create this division. In order for us to feel superior, I would never do that. Have you ever, have you ever, uh, ever, you guys got this, like a sketch done of you, like a cartoon of you? You know what they do, right? They hyper-focus on something that you don't like about yourself. <laughs> Let's say you ears. Let's say you got big ears. That's God's design, man. What they do is they magnify it to make fun of you. Now, that's funny in a cartoon, not funny in real life. And our sinful heart has the tendency to hyper-focus in those things. What do you see when you see people that are not like you? Do you see their beauty and their value and their dignity and purpose? Or do you see what you don't like? This is the interesting thing, that after the fall, even though our image was damaged, we didn't lose it. That means that even though we are sinful people, yet today, that image is still is with us. This is the reason why during the flood, in Genesis chapter 9, God tells Noah, if you kill someone, you're going to get the same punishment because that person is created in the image of God. So to not honor, to not respect, to not protect, and to not care for a person that is not like you, not only is an offense against that person, but it's also an offense against God because we have been created in his image. See, as Christians, we don't have the luxury to, let's say, embrace the multicolored kingdom of God and not care the issues that come along with those colors. We embrace the whole person as they are. You know, I, I started thinking about this 13 years ago. I started thinking about this because I saw how divided the church is. Not necessarily our church right now, but who we were in the past. I decided to say, I wanted to see why, what was the issue with all the churches being segregated so much? What was the issue with us not being able to love one another, respect one another, another listen to one another, honor one another, care for one another? What the issue was? I was thinking about this sermon about three to four weeks ago. Actually, I was putting some notes together. And um, it is one of those moments in which, the God, in, in which God gives you a vision. Um, literally, a vision in which you say, man, th this is what I want for the church. This is what I want to be part of. So both of my girls belong to two different small groups. And both of my girls are part of a multi-ethnic group. So one girl has three ethnicities in her small group. And the other one has four ethnicities in her small group. Now check this out. I'm sitting, sitting uh, in my couch. I'm putting some notes together. It's around 8 o'clock at night or something. And my older daughter is coming with one of her Bible study small groups. I'm thinking about this. And then I see coming from my basement 
an, Af uh, an Asian teenager coming up. And then I see an African teenager coming up. And then I see my Latino girl, Latina girl coming up. And then I see two Anglo girls coming up. And I got to see it. That's what the church supposed to be like. This is a crazy thing, church. They didn't come together and say, you know what? We need a nation. <laughs> they didn't come together and say, it'll be nice to have an African person. Let's look for him. You know what united them? The blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible being explained and applied. That's what we need as a church. So every time I struggle with this, I ask myself these questions. What do I see when I see people that is not like me? I got to ask myself the question, can I see the intrinsic value, beauty, dignity, and purpose of people that is not like me? Do I see the beauty of God in the faces, the color, the customs, and the tradi traditions of people that are not like me? Do I let my personal bias, my own ethnicity, and my own history to define how I view people? Or do I let the Spirit using the Word of God to define how is it that it's supposed to view people? See, this is the thing. God created us in a very specific way. God's design. And he gave us beauty and value and dignity and purpose because we're created in his image, God's image. But because sin entered the world, things started to go south. So what is it that God is all to do? Well, God had a plan. And this is what God did. Pay attention, church. He created the church. He created the church. And he sent his son Jesus to reconcile us to him so the church becomes agents of reconciliation. Where do I get that from? Genesis chapter 12. This is God speaking to Abraham. This is the beginning of the church. The church does not start in the New Testament. This is what God says to Abraham. I will make, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. To whom? To all peoples on earth will be, be uh, the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples. Not just some people, not just the ones we like, not just the ones that look like us. All people. Isn't that the reason why Jesus came? Yeah. To accomplish and finish and empower that vision. How do I know that? Galatians chapter 3. God redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is the thing. If there's a group of people 
that can actually accomplish this is the church. We know what it means to be valued. We know what it means to be loved. We know what it means to be accepted. We know what it means to be received. And then the Lord says, go and be agents of reconciliation. Listen to what this author says. The the church's most powerful witness to the world is not our signs and wonders or even miraculous healings. No, it is the supernatural life of God's people united in a beautiful, diverse community. Our theology of reconciliation is Trinitarian. To refuse to pursue unity in diversity as redeemed people is to fundamentally neglect what it means to be people created in the image of God. The world should look at the church in amazement and wonder, how did that happen? How did people, how did people with such differences come together and commit to staying together and, and commit to stay together in spite of the difficulties. So that was the question I was asking when I saw this group of teenagers. Well, actually, the first question is like, what are they doing here? And then the second question was, how did this happen? By the supernatural power of God. That put a bunch of teenagers together to teach us something about the kingdom. And what the gospel does. So today, I want to give you four principles that I think you should consider. And maybe you should apply. Principle number one. Because we believe in the uni- in unity in diversity and diversity in unity. Therefore, we should celebrate and embrace our differences. We should celebrate and embrace our differences. Principle number two. Because we believe in unity, in diversity, and diversity in unity, therefore, we know that we need one another. Therefore, you should be open to get to know people that is not like you. You should invite people that is not like you into your life. Listen up even if it feels awkward. Principle number three. Because we believe that we are all created in the image of God. Therefore, we honor, care, and exercise empathy toward one another. We must learn how to listen. We must learn how to speak. We don't have to agree in everything. But we must speak and listen. And principle number four. Because we believe that we have been reconciled in Jesus, therefore we seek to be instruments of reconciliation. What you need, you already have. The power of the gospel, the unity of the gospel, and the spirit that came because of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Beautiful Lord, we are so thankful.
that the kingdom of God is actually not a boring kingdom in which we all look the same. Lord, we are grateful that you gave us this beautiful kingdom in which people that are so different can come together, worship together, do life together, love one another, serve one another, take care of one another, defend one another, and pray for one another. We thank you, Lord, because the kingdom of God, it's a multi-flavor kingdom, multi-ethnic kingdom, multi-gifting kingdom, multi-shaped kingdom, all created in your image. Allow us, Lord, to see the beauty and the value and the dignity and the purpose in the way the Lord made us to be and in the way the Lord made others to be. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says. Amen. Church, would you stand here in the room? Let's respond together. Let all the peoples praise you, Lord. Let all the peoples praise your name.
Before receiving the blessing that we receive at the end of our services, I just want to remind you of an announcement that we made last week that we actually put into practice today. Uh, if you guys remember last week, we said that um, we were trying to open uh, the church a little bit more so more people could come. And I wanted you, I, I just want to say a few things about that. Number one, I, I want to remind you that in a, in a place this big, we all have opinions. And we all have a strong opinions. But because we are one in Jesus Christ, we respect those differences. Amen? So even if you don't agree or disagree, you know, we, we respect those differences. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing, you know that now we have some sections that are mask optional. Uh, that means then that our brothers that are sitting in those sections or sisters that are sitting in those sections, they come in with a mask and they can remove it during the worship time and then put the mask on again when they leave the building. Please honor that so we all feel safe somehow. All right? Number three, you're going to start seeing a little bit more and more people because we are making, uh, instead of keeping three seats in between parties, if you will, we're keeping two. Uh, we, once again, we are taking the time to think and study and pray so we make the, the right decisions. So please continue to pray for us. And, and number three, how about if we receive the blessing that Jesus Christ guarantees for us at the cross? Amen? All right. This blessing comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. And he says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give us peace. And we all say, Thank you for coming. We love you. Church, you are sent agents of reconciliation.